listening to a Sharesies podcast. Tēnā tato katoa, it's Tuesday the 21st of September. You're listening to Recap, made for you by Sharesies. Sharesies, if you don't know, is a wealth development platform where our purpose is to create the most financially empowered generation. But before we get started, here is an important message. Investing involves risk. You aren't guaranteed to make money and you might lose the money you started with. Any information we provide is general only and current at the time. If you're looking for help with your investment choices, we recommend talking to a licensed financial advice provider. Hi Alice. Hi Jose, how are you? I'm very well, thanks. How are you? I'm good, thanks. You'll be excited to be moving to level three. Yes, I am. I can't wait to get my hands on some of the takeaways. It's What will be your pick? Uh, I um, don't know. Probably, probably a local burger joint, I think. Nice, nice. I love that. Support local. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And uh, if anybody else is coming out of um, level four to level three, I highly recommend just having a look around your neighbourhood and supporting some of the local shops because, of course, they've been doing them hard. So that's just my little tip for today. But we should crack on because um, there's a lot to talk about today. So what's been happening, Alice? Yeah, well, Jose, it was a big day in financial markets. Um, you might have seen that overnight some of the major overseas stock markets took um, a bit of a tumble. Yeah, I saw that. So I'm so glad you're here to, to explain it to us. So what happened? Yeah, so in the US, the S&P 500 had its worst day since May. That fell 1.7%. Um, the Dow Jones Industrial Average, that's one of the other um, indices, that fell 1.8%. And then the NASDAQ fell 2.2%. Um, now, another index called the VIX, this measures market volatility, that increased 25% to its highest level since May. Now, this index, the volatility one, it usually moves in the opposite direction to the US stock markets. Right, so a big day in the US then. So what's behind all this performance? Yeah, well, it always feels like with financial markets that there's a lot of moving parts and it's surely the case here. Um, so uh, yeah, different news sources and analysis that I've been reading today have pointed to a range of factors behind this performance. So first, uh, the Federal Reserve, um, that's the US's like central bank, mm -hmm. they have a policy meeting later this week where they're meant to be planning out when they might start unwinding some of their monetary support to the US economy. So there's some caution for from investors around what this might mean for them. Right, interesting. So what else was behind these results? Well, there's also the surge in COVID cases due to the Delta variant, which adds uncertainty around economic recovery. Now, there's also this other thing, um, a market anomaly, as they call it, called the September effect, where there's historically weak stock market returns for the month of September in the US. Oh, right. um, but perhaps the biggest thing that everyone's talking about is related to something that's happening in China with a company called Evergrande Group. Yeah, now I've seen a whole lot of news headlines about this. What's going on? Yeah, so Evergrande are a huge company. They're actually one of China's largest real estate developers. They're listed on the Hong Kong Stock Exchange and they're in the Fortune Global 500, which means that they're one of the world's largest businesses by revenue. So as I mentioned before, they're most well known for real estate, but they also have invested in a range of other ventures like electric vehicles, sports and theme parks, even food and beverages. 
Now, they employ around 200,000 people. And according to their website, the company supports the employment of more than 3.8 million jobs. So a biggie. But what has Evergrande done to have everyone talking about it? Well, the company has warned their investors that they're having cash flow issues, saying that they could default, which means they can't repay their debt uh, if they're unable to raise money quickly. So basically, people people are saying that the company is on the brink of collapse. Oh, wow. So how does that just come about so suddenly? It's like, a, you know, it's a massive company winding up in a situation like this. Yeah, sure. So Evergrande has previously warned about these cash flow issues. And last week they announced that they'd brought on financial advisors to help assess the situation and even try and find a solution. Um, But shareholders have been wary for some time. Over the course of this year, uh, the company's share price has fallen by more than 80%. But in particular, this week is critical for the company because according to Bloomberg, uh, the company is due to repay interest on some bank loans this week. Um, And they're also due to pay more than $100 billion in bond interest payments to investors as well. So it's unclear um, how much of these debt obligations Evergrande will be able to meet. So how has this happened? Yeah, so the amount of debt that Evergrande has in its business has ballooned in recent years as it's borrowed money to carry out different business ventures like construction projects for its real estate division and that. Now, the company has over 300 billion US dollars in debt. Now, to to add some context of how much money this actually is, um, according to Trading Economics, New Zealand's GDP is two hundred and five billion US dollars. So we're talking about this company having more debt than the size of the New Zealand economy. Uh, yeah, but numbers like that it's always do my heads in. Um, yeah, but, it, it but, does blow your mind. Yeah, <laughs> what, what happens if a company like this collapses? Well, generally what happens when a company collapses or defaults is that the investors and other people who they owe money to, they could or are quite likely to lose money. So this could include the banks who have given them loans. It might include suppliers and customers, even employees who, you know, are at risk of um, missing out on being paid. Now, just to be clear, Evergrande has not defaulted yet, although they have warned that this could happen unless they manage to get their hands on some cash quickly. Mm. I mean, for a company so big, wouldn't the government or someone else step in to help them out? I mean, it's happened before. Yeah, well, Evergrande, uh, because of its size, has been described as being a systemically important company to China. So some analysts are saying that if it collapsed, it could destabilise the financial system in China. Now, that's leading to some market analysts believing that the Chinese government might step in to help or bail out the company to limit the fallout if Evergrande was to default. But the question still remains of how and if the government will respond um, and step in. Mm. So what are the experts, the you know, the Wall Street analysts and that saying about what could happen next? Well, there are mixed views about um, like what they're saying about how this might impact financial markets. So there's concerns that if the company defaults, this could have flow-on effects to the Chinese economy. And with China being the second largest economy in the world, how that could then impact on broader global financial markets. Right. So these potential ripple effects are what's causing concern. 
exactly. But as I said um, before, there's mixed views around the impact of this. So at one end of the spectrum, I've seen some articles drawing parallels of um, this to the collapse of the Lehman Brothers Investment Bank in 2008, if you mm. remember that. Yeah. Um, but then you've also got some market analysts who are saying that they don't think this will lead to the next financial crisis, but it could lead to some market volatility. And then you've got other analysts who are saying that the issue will likely be contained by the Chinese government before the risk becomes widespread. Right, so a range of views there. So what happens next? Well, the point is that this is impacting market sentiment at the moment. So like how investors are feeling towards stock markets. But the critical question will be whether, how and when the Chinese government handles the situation. Yeah, right. Well, we'll keep an eye on that. Thanks so much for that breakdown, Alice. Appreciate it. Okay, Jose. So Katmandu released uh, their financial results today, didn't they? How has the company fared over the past year? Yes, they did. So the travel and adventure retailer recorded a jump in profit, but uh, has been cautious around returns for the next six months. So Katmandu is pretty well known for their travel and like hiking gear, mm. but they've got a couple of other strings on their bow, right? Yes, they do. So they've, they've got two subsidiaries, which I thought I'd bring up. It brought uh, it brought the footwear company Oboes in 2018. That's a US-based brand selling tramping shoes and boots. But it also owns the Australian surf brand Rip Curl, which I did not realise was still a thing. I, <laughs> I, I, I remember very clearly in the 90s, you go into any flat at the time in a university flat, there'd be at least three people wearing the white Rip Curl t-shirts. Uh, Amazing. It was, it was ubiquitous. Uh, the, uh, <laughs> uh, Kathmandu bought uh, uh, Rip Curl for $350 million, um, Australian dollars in 2019. Okay, so how do those companies contribute to Kathmandu's year then? Yeah, so a whole bunch of numbers coming up. The net profit for the whole group leaped to uh, $63.4 million from $8.9 million in 2020. The underlying earnings before interest and tax increased 35% to $130 million. And sales were also up by 15% to $922 million. Now, Oboe's sales rose 45% to $86 million, but the star of the show was Rip Curl with its sales up 55% to $490 million. And that was apparently driven by the opening up of the surfing season in the Northern Hemisphere. Or maybe they're just still going really hard with those Rip Curl t-shirts. Yeah, man. You just, you know, <laughs> it's just, I have a very clear memory of like everybody wearing them underneath their business shirts going to work. And you could clearly really? say, yeah, yeah. It was just a thing. <laughs> it was so weird. So it's, it's part of my life. But you said earlier that the company was being cautious though, right? Yes. They did warn that continuing COVID lockdowns on both sides of the Tasman could disrupt supply chains and slow down factory production. And in fact, that's what what's happening with Oboe's um in the States. Kathmandu sales dropped 20% due to the lockdowns in the six months, December the 12th. Rip curls were down 12.8%. Uh, so they've advised that the first half profit through to January will probably be lower than the previous period. Although I did see in the Sydney Morning Herald that Michael Daly, the Kathmandu uh, CEO, was hoping for a period of what he called revenge spending after lockdowns start to ease, which would help the company's fortunes ahead of Christmas. Right, and if I remember correctly, Kathmandu didn't offer a dividend last year. I did not, know. Are they going to give one to their shareholders this time around? 
Yes, they will. So the final dividend of three cents per share will be paid out on the 15th of December. And just finally, uh, again, looking at the uh, Sydney Morning Herald, the CEO Daily confirmed that Katmandu still has no plans to pay back pandemic-related subsidies and grants it received in New Zealand, Australia and the US. Alison, you have an update on something more local today? I sure did. So last week on Recap, you talked about a company that was going to be listing on the New Zealand Stock Exchange called Fabric. Right. Uh, now, this was going to be a company spun out of Stride Property, which is another NZX listed company. Yeah, I remember that. So what's the up- update on that? Well, today Stride Property announced that it won't be going ahead with the Fabric initial public offering or IPO. So basically they're canning those plans. Mm -hmm. Uh, In the announcement to the stock exchange, Stride Property cited recent market conditions as the reason for it not going ahead. Okay, so what what does that mean? (laughs) Well, they didn't elaborate on it anymore in the announcement, but I did read a business desk article where they'd clearly spoken to Stride Properties chair Tim Story. And here uh, Tim Story said that the overall market sentiment both here and overseas wasn't conducive to an IPO. So he said that uh, the combination of extended lockdowns as well as unsettled financial markets had cancelled their plans to do the IPO. So is it completely off the cards? Uh, well, according to Story, he said that the board will relook at it. So the idea hasn't been completely ruled out. Cool. Thanks very much for that update, Alice. But that is mean. It's the end of the show for another day. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Really appreciate it. That was Recap for the 21st of September. And if you are enjoying what you hear, please give us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Yeah, go on. We'd really appreciate it. Ka kite and we'll see you tomorrow. Mā wa. See you then.